Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today we will continue in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with almost 50 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. Welcome back, Peter. Thank you. I'm glad to be here today. And, uh, let me tell you what the title of this is, and then we'll go on. It's called New Beginnings Continued. The last show was called New Beginnings. We had our first guest, Mimi Amaral, and we were thrilled. In fact, I just left someplace, and people were actually listening to it, and they love it. So that made me feel better. But that was quite an interview, and uh, she plugged in a lot of what we've been talking about. She and, really did. And it was nice to be able to interact with her and put it in kind of perspective with some of the things we've been talking about. I just saw her at the gym. She had other things to say. <laughs> Mimi has a lot to say. Yes, yes. She did tell me, make sure you tell them that it really is important to, if you're in bad relationships or what you say, or negative situations um, that have been taking you down and not having a positive, good effect on your life, you need to change them. And she wanted me to make sure I reiterated that to you today, the listeners. We do talk about rearranging priorities. And after this, it, you become very much, much more tuned in and sensitive to negative people and negative situations that make you bitter and angry. and Just drain your energy. Drain the energy drain that you your, need. That's your, right. Your attitude just goes down the drain. And this kind of thing that we're talking about changes your priorities, that there's not a lot of room to sacrifice a lot of energy with negative people and tolerance. It's better to move away from them, uh, not give them that negative energy because you need every bit of it. But let me talk to, let me just say the title of, I said New Beginnings Continued, but I wanted to say, add to that. And that is watching people grow through crisis and trauma reveals the magnificent, unquenchable human spirit. And out of the chaos, comes a new way of be being. That's new beginnings. And, and that came from actually a paper that we wrote years ago, right? That's it what did. I, I it loved did. it. I and I just have to say, I have to interrupt to say that magnificent, unquenchable human spirit to me is Mimi, just personifies Mimi completely. Absolutely. And um, we'll, we'll get back to some of the things that Mimi um, shared with us so generously about her own life. And... Um, She's a, if you saw how little she is, you wouldn't believe it, but um, she really is a very strong woman. Yes. And um, it's through the adversities that she's gone through, and they've been a lot. But one of the things that Mimi said right off was it's so important, no matter how difficult and monumental they are, is to meet the adversities head on. Mm, and that's been your right out of your mouth. That was another paper that you wrote about meeting adversity head on. That's right. And it's I think that's the basis to everything. And Mimi, believe it or not, I didn't know we didn't know her whole story. But it was almost like and I don't think she ever heard one of our broadcasts, I don't think. But it was almost like it was just 
made to order. And she talked about her life experiences in a way that brought that out. And it also, she said, it prepared her for dealing with the uncertainties of life um, as realizing that's just not going to be a passive state of life. It's part of life mm -hmm. and a condition of life. And Mimi, certainly, from what she went through with her health crises and the way she grew up um, being absolutely... Uh, um, um, her life threatened by everything in the environment, including her own immune system. Yes. Uh, it was really That's talking complete about... complete uncertainty. They're talking complete. about it. She lived with real uncertainty. Yeah. But what she said was that she took it on and she faced it. And, um, yeah. I'll she, be honest with you. One of the things that really struck me about Mimi was the way... When she talks about when she finally came through the hardship, to, to Mimi, that is the most important thing. She went through all of these things. She said her, her journey was different because she was sick her whole life from birth. She almost didn't know anything else. But uh, I think she just, she just was telling us that you do come through it and you will come through it. And you've got to have that hope. You've got to understand how life works sometimes, and accept the challenges. She she mentioned too that that um, that as we face these challenges uh, and uncertainties and change, we're going to end up needing to change ourselves. Yes, yeah. and uh, that will help us better move into this new reality that's happening in our lives and the world around us. And she talked about how it. She changed herself. Yes. Not only did the experiences she went through change her, she changed herself. Deliberately. Deliberately. Yes. And made new choices and became developed a whole new identity. She could have been a sickly, broken, oh, frightened little girl for the rest of her, well, whatever life they said she had left. Or she could have come through it courageously, made new choices. She talked about taking the control back from everyone who had it over her life, all the doctors and specialists and everyone. And she came to a point that no matter what the end result would be, if it were death, she wanted to be in control of her own life and her own choices. Yes, there were some things she absolutely could not control about her body, mm -hmm. but there were things that she could control. And instead of being um, in despair about what she couldn't, she took on the changes that she could make. Right, and she and she came out as a new and improved version of herself. Yes, but she did say she still has the limitations. She said they're not over, but she deals with them differently. And here she is at fifty years old, and she's still alive. Uh, she's gotten a PhD in psychology. She's written two books. She's now getting another degree in human resources. <laughs> she she's a stop. caregiver. <laughs> she doesn't stop, but. What really what she was telling is she established a set a state of confidence within herself and competence through all of this. She built that. Yep. Step by step. In new and improved ways. Yes. And that's what was very important to her and for everyone else to hear. That was one of the things too that we I wanted to talk about that today, about communicating to others. Um <laughs> and the purpose of our broadcast, the purpose of having people, Mimi and others that we'll have on, is to communicate 
to others that need to hear these things so that they can apply them to the apply to their own lives and their own struggles and know that there is hope i don't believe and I've, I'm sure Mimi would agree, and so would you, that you can do this kind of show or this kind of communication if you haven't been there yourself, if you're not going through it yourself in some way now. Um, there has to be a genuineness. There has to be an integrity to what you're saying. It can't come from books and degrees. That's absolutely true. It has to come from your life experience. So the integrity of the communication comes across to those in need. And that's so important. And also for us to remember, we're human too. We're people too. And we struggle too. And some of us have more serious struggles than others. But that we're human. And one of the big emphases to all of this is, yes, you come out with confidence and competence. You also come out with humility. And all of these factors are so important in conveying and communicating to others who are going through this so it will resonate with them. Mm -hmm. And so they can realize, well, if they can do it and look what they're going through and what they've been through, it sounds like possibility I can do it too. Yes. Um, that's what we want to make sure our communication expresses. You know, I always talk about being relational. I am relational. Um, I know everybody isn't, and I feel badly for you because you're missing out on a source of fulfillment because it's so sweet and so wonderful to be communicative and engaging with others because not only do you give, but you receive. And there's this human connection where the barriers are down. You're sharing the real things of your in life. Um, it just is, believe it or not, even in the midst of difficulty, it's an uplifting and a fueling and a f feeding of our energy and our, our hope that you don't get if you lock yourself away, if you isolate yourself, if you're afraid of people, if you're afraid to communicate and you see people as a potential threat. It's unfortunate because look at how much you're missing. And it's a very basic part of life. We want to convey that because of who we are, but also because of what we've been through and also what we're still going through. Some of it, some of the worst things in my life I'm going through right now. And yet, I'm able to help other people. And what really I find remarkable at this point, we have a, a trauma institute. We do a specialized kind of body work to help people um, recover from trauma. We do mentoring, we do life coaching. We do a lot of things. And who do you think the people that are coming to us these days? caregivers mm -hmm. people that have gone through are going through such horrendous difficulty taking care of loved ones that are dying and are sick um, taking care of folks that are just they're finished they're wiped out they're burned out they don't have anything more to give and yet the need to give goes on mm -hmm. and these are the people that are beginning to get in touch with us Interestingly, how the universe works. This is so much how our work has gone through the years. The, thing, the challenges it? that we, I mean, if we keep just a little bit ahead of the wave, we're doing well I because know. this is, we are going through something and then other people are drawn in and need our help. And, you know, when I help them, what I find is really wonderful. And I know I saw you do it and I was really so pleased with you. And I know I sound paternalistic right now, but really Jenny's learned a lot too, oh, a lot, um, by helping others. And um, one of the things that I find really wonderful 
is that we can be objective and we can, and we can be grounded and clear. And Certainly we, in the moment. At, in the when moment. We're well, them. in the moment and helping them. Well, it's more than in the moment. Mm-hmm. We know what they're going through because we've been there, but there's a clarity and a groundedness yeah. to what we're having to say. Now, the other part of it that's true too is we're not going to get away with not feeling our own emotional pain. It's like staring in a mirror. These people are bringing horrendous, painful situations to us yeah. personally, financially, and every other way. I'm going through it too. So I look at that and I go, that even I can stand back and watch that and go, to me, this is amazing because I can come alongside them as clear as a bell, respond to their needs when they're panicked and they're frightened and overwhelmed and discouraged. That's not where I am. And yet my situation is just as dire, if not more, than some of those. But I can talk the truth. And they know I'm talking from a place of being totally human and humble and also knowledgeable. And so can you. And so can most of the people at our institute. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it such a special place. The work we do can bring a renewal and an uplifting and a recharging of our batteries and the batteries of those we help. That, to me, is the calling upon my life. So I'm not saying we're finished. I'm not saying that we're through all of our difficulties, but there is a perspective and a grounding that comes through this that we can convey to others, that we can tell them and show them that they can cut to that place too. And they recognize that. I know that they do. Seems to be. Yes. Seems to be. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Before our break, uh, Peter and I were talking about the power of being authentic and genuine when reaching out to help other people, about having gone through, really truly gone through and at least starting to come out the other side of painful Mm -hmm. life experiences right? uh, so that we can... Uh, give hope, give help, give support mm-hmm. that is authentic and, and helpful. And uh, the last thing we were talking about was about how um, right now we seem to be working with a lot of people who are caregivers. Well, that's what's coming at us more and more. And that, it, that amazes me. <clears throat> Excuse me. In fact, we've had a, a, a nonprofit to help veterans and their caregivers for a long time. Interestingly, caregivers are coming out of us out of us in new out of new uh, distresses, but yet the ones that are coming most directly lately are people that are involving veterans. Um, Veterans who are older, who now have Alzheimer's and dementia, the caregivers, the loved ones and their families, that seems to be the first outreach. So it fits our nonprofit um, parameters, but we see so many others that don't have veterans involved. And I think this is only going to grow with time as the population ages. It's going. It's growing. It's going to be a big concern. I can't I can't tell you how many people tell me they either have taken care of their grandmothers, a lady today. Yeah. I was wondering why she was rather young and how much she knew about caregiving. 
she took care of her grandmother through all kinds of sickness and eventually passing away. Her, she was the caregiver, this mm-hmm. young woman. Mm-hmm. She's ne- she'll never be the same again. She's got a certain understanding about caregiving. Yeah, there's only one way to have it, and that is when you go through it yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of conversations people have with me. Um, she did. Mm-hmm. That was unexpected. And I was surprised. I kind of known how much she knew, but I was wondering, how the heck did she know so much? Yeah. She's been there. And yeah. uh, she carries that pain and that strength in her and that wisdom and knowledge and encouragement and has a certain grounding under her that comes. There's no question about it. It's the real thing. And she can apply it in different ways. She's helping me uh, with uh, yoga. And I got individual yoga. And frankly, you're talking about the worst yoga person that ever the maybe walked. The man from his, Newark. Yeah, goes no, to yoga. Yeah, I do. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, it really does help me release some of the tension that I hold in my body, uh, some of the damage that I've done to my body through competitive sports and and competitive horseback riding with cutting, cutting horse uh, tra- uh, competition and training. But I'll be honest with you, as a caregiver now for my wife. My injuries don't heal, and they're more severe. And I didn't really know why. And this this woman said, <laughs> caregivers heal much more slowly. And here I was with an injury that was 27 weeks. And that, that's the worst Very I've ever Very untypical had for, for you. For me. Yes. And um, I couldn't figure it out, but she knew it instantly. Why? She's been there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and she speaks with a complete empathy and understanding uh, and, and knowledge and wisdom. So I didn't know how she knew all of that, mm-hmm. but it was obvious today she told me. Yeah. And we talked about financial issues that people go through who are caregivers and taking care of family members, how expensive it is and how it breaks families financially. And she knew. Yes. Boy, did she know. And she would talk to <laughs> She was funny. We had a conversation about the charges, uh, financial charges, and I told her I had, we just hired another caregiver and my wife comes first. Her needs are first. And uh, if there's financial char- things that I have to take care of, if they compete with taking care of Lynn, Lynn comes first. That's all there is to it. She heard me. And she um, expressed herself in some young words about her own situation. And it was really funny. But basically she's saying she's not making much money in her own way of saying it. And... Um, and she told me what the charges would be in advance. And I said, there's no way I'm paying in advance. It takes away from my wife's caregiving. I won't do it. And I basically handed the money today. And I said, that's, well, I'll come back some other time, but it's not going to be right away. And she looked at me and she said, I get it. And we'll work it out in a way that works for you. I understand. And yet her situation isn't good. She needs money. Mm-hmm. but I couldn't pay her the kind of money in advance she wanted, which we had agreed to run it originally. I said, there's no way. She got it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was funny the way she expressed it. I laughed. She's young. But anyway, we worked it out. She's a lovely girl, and uh, we're going to uh, give her some new opportunities at the Institute. She's she's really lovely, good person. But it, her, her name is uh, Yvette Racine, right? I think yeah. so, yes. And what's the name of her organization again? Do you remember 
We will look it up during the next break. Good. Even Jenny didn't know. That's amazing. I'm the one who forgets, and she didn't. No, I'm not the one doing yoga. Oh, you're right. Okay, no. she didn't know. But we can look that up. We'll look it up. But Yvette is a wonderful lady. She does great things. I do it individually because if I were in a class, I'd stop everybody because I'm so stiff. And I work out, and I ride, and, I'm in, and I got injuries. So this works out better for me. I do yeah. it individually, and... Um, I'm not holding anybody back. And not only that, I couldn't keep up with the class. So uh, I get what I need. And she says it's the best way to start my work week. And she slows me down for a little while, which yeah. I need to do. And one of the things that's the, one of the things that do, does happen when you have so much coming on you, people adapt, and I certainly do. Um, and that is to take it on. If this is what you got to do, you take it on until you can't take any more. I'm not at that point. We have people coming to us that are past their breaking point. But I don't realize how intense my burdens are and how much I carry as a leader, uh, as an entrepreneur, um, as a person that, that influences and carries other folks. But I do, it does get to me. And the way it gets to me is I get more hyped up, more speeded up. Mm -hmm. Well, I go to this and she slows me down. And the, the yoga slows me down, which I think is very good. Yeah. Very good, yeah. Well, I, I'd like to suggest, as you're talking, mm -hmm. that the experience of, of being a caregiver is certainly in line with what we were talking about, about the new reality being change and uncertainty. Um, if we're caring for a loved one, we don't know what's going to happen next. We don't always know uh, what the... what what to expect with their health, how long they'll be able to be with us. We don't know if we're going to be able to provide what's needed. Yeah. We don't know quite how we're going to put this all together, and yet we know this, our loved one is counting on us. It's very uncertain, and, and there's not a lot of control over the situation. True. I'm seeing that this is a, very much a parallel here to what we've been talking about, and that it's a, it can feel like a crisis, uh, particularly if you're approaching burnout as a caregiver. Yeah, nice. And that uh, you, and, and you talk about exposing our humanity, that the barriers come down, and it's a painful but valuable experience where we have no sense of control at the time. Right. And that we have painful emotions to work through. I'm just going down go ahead, the go different ahead. ideas that we have, the things we talked about. This very much parallels the experience of caregiving. And um, how do we come through this to, um, to continue to provide the loving, supportive care, even though inside we may be feeling like we're just a turmoil of painful emotions and fear and uncertainty and resentment and frustration and exhaustion? This is very much the same experience we've been talking about. Absolutely. I, I think you're talking about almost more the specifics of what people go through, um, and it's very universal. Um, it really helps to see other people who have gone through it um, come through the other side and begin to emulate and replicate some way and seek that perspective and that way of getting our grounding. But what I hear you saying, and you're right, is what goes with the territory is our emotions. And we talk about that a lot because we deal with it a lot at the Institute. We have for many, many years. It, it's something that everybody has to face, no matter what kind of perspective or no matter what kind of solid ground you have under you. The perspective is what causes our 
mindset and our outlook to get very negative, very frightening, um, very draining, depressing, um, feeling discouraged and defeated, particularly when we don't have control. And when many times we know the outcome for our loved one is not going to be good. It's not going to, no, we know, just don't know when or how, but we know. That's right. I think that's a very humbling experience. Extremely. And it strips us in ways that we would not choose to be stripped. It exposes us and our humanity and our own vulnerabilities in ways that normally don't happen. But in that time, one of the things you do discover is your authenticity and humility. But... You still have to have someone to encourage you, mentor you, guide you, uh, help you to get through those emotions. You're not, you, you've got to deal with them. You've got to walk through that darkness. But here's one of the things. You can't stay there. No. You can't let them go unbridled and out of control for too long because that will burn you out. You'll get destructive. You'll get confused. And you'll begin to compa- uh, confuse your emotions from the past and past experiences with the present. And you won't be very effective. And eventually people do burn out. They get resentful. They get bitter. They get negative and angry. I see too many of those. I hate to say it. Uh, I see too many, um, particularly at the Alzheimer's Association, a very good organization. And, and we're not pointing fingers at not anyone. Not at all. This is so difficult, Ugh, so hard. Absolutely. And I, I mean, that's very important, and I hope everybody hears that. This is not the place to be judgmental no. and condemning. This is a place to be empathetic. But you can see the emotional turmoil and chaos. And when you put 20, 30 people that are doing this together, yes. it's chaos and so painful. Um, it, it's a nightmare. And yet, can you have empathy during it for those folks? And the absolutely. answer is absolutely. Yep. If, particularly if you've been there yourself and found a way to be more positive and to stay loving and encouraged and not defeated and bitter. Um, that's, the, that's something, I think there's a spiritual reality to this, I'll be honest with you. Um, it certainly has been for me. And from, for a lot of folks that I know, um, it is for them, and not not necessarily religiously. It may be, but there's a spiritual side to this thing. Is well, where do you get the energy and the hope and encouragement when you've reached the end of yourself? Now, I personally know the end of myself, and I don't care if people think I'm strong or not, which they do. I know how limit where my limitations are, and yet I am so far beyond those at this point. I know there's a greater power that I, I know for me is God. Um, and I draw a lot from that. But I've talked to so many people that have different journeys of spirituality, but it's always there. Some of them, unfortunately, are so discouraged and so bottomless as far as their anger, their bitterness, they're so burned out that if there's spirituality there, it's hard to see it um, because their emotions are running so terribly high and negative. Their relationships are running very negative, too. As Mimi said today, make sure you tell people, if you're in really negative relationships, it's okay to get out of them because they're taking away from your precious energy that you need for more important things. Mm -hmm. So it's realigning your priorities. I do see a lot of people that need to do it, that don't necessarily do it. And I'm not talking about walking away from your loved one who's sick. No, no. Be, let's be clear about that. No, we're not talking no. about that. We're talking about people who 
have a lot of negativity in their life, as well as taking care of their loved ones. And it just drains them and causes them to feel so bitter and angry and discouraged and fearful. We've seen too many um, run away and they can't handle it. Mm -hmm. And the way they handle it is they blame everybody else or um, they have all kinds of excuses why they can't engage and help or be there supportively. But the truth is they're in a very negative mindset themselves and they're fearful. We can come back to that. Right. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We will be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. And uh, Peter, before the break, uh, we were talking about uh, the turmoil of emotions uh, that mm -hmm. happens when we're in crisis or trauma, and particularly uh, today, we're talking about the experience of caregiving for a loved one. Mm -hmm. um, and you were mentioning that there are in, in all of this turmoil and emotions, there can be fear, there can be avoidance, there can be uh, frustration, there can be negative relationships acting out. I know in the past, uh, I don't know if you'd like to go over it again, we've talked in the past about how, um, how diff people, different people experience trauma and crisis differently. They feel it differently, they respond to it differently. Mm -hmm. uh, also at the beginning of our broadcast, you talked about uh, the value and the, the fulfillment of being relational. And yet there are some people who are fearful and hold back. Mm -hmm. That could be also another aspect of the effects of prior crisis and trauma that cause people to, to, to hold back and be fearful. Mm -hmm. uh, we do respond differently, and we're, we're kind of wired differently at times. Um, True. I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, let me just check this out with you as you're talking. There are certain things that everybody goes through. Are we talking about shock trauma? Caregiving usually has to do with long-term long chronic term. crisis and Yeah, trauma. I hesitate to call it developmental trauma because we're not in a period of life where there's development. No. But it's not just a sudden thing. It is, gonna have, it is something that is going to be with us for some time. That's right. And we can respond to it. In, in, we've talked about flight you know, uh, freeze or fight, you know, those basic responses. The hyper alert is the, always the, the hyper aroused state is the first thing that comes into a, a caregiving situation in the most acute time. It's when the, the uh, initial crisis is so shocking. And that's the first stage for everybody. How they react off of that is varies. Uh, some people go into fight or flight, others paralysis and freeze. Um, everybody goes into those states. There's also another part that happens to everybody, and that is where part of us temporarily becomes, and they use it, the word clinically, but it's not meant that way, where we step out of ourselves a little bit. We're actually watching the whole thing happen while we're going through it. That's a protective mechanism. It happens for everyone going through difficult times. If you do that on an ongoing basis for the more chronic, that doesn't work well. No, no, no. You can't I, do that. I have a feeling, though, in terms of caregiving, um, that what happens often is that people stay in hyper alert 
because they're worried about their loved one. They're listening. Are they okay? Uh, Is there something I'm supposed to do? Um, What's going to happen next? I think that that's a a very characteristic um, experience in caregiving. It is. Uh, And I wanted, we did want to talk about that today, so that's a good thing to bring up. But what we're talking about is reframing things in a more positive way, a more hopeful way. Um, And that's why we do these broadcasts, to help people reframe these very difficult life situations and adversity in their lives. Well, what you're talking about happens to everybody. You can't help it. Um, It's intuitive. It's part of your nervous system. Unfortunately, you stay in that state of hyper alert 24-7 and you burn out your adrenals and your nervous system. The level of cortisol is too high and adrenaline. Does it happen anyway? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, there's a thing that begins to happen that helps a lot. And that has to do with coming to a place of acceptance of the situation the way it is. There is that time. It's not hardening. It's not defensive. It's accepting. Seeing things the way it is and responding appropriately. Um, once we come to that place... And I don't know if everybody does, but I hope they will from what we're talking about. They then have to go to an adjusting their reactions and expectations based on the acceptance of the situation they're working with. That is a change of mindset and reframing things in a much more hopeful, constructive way. Mm -hmm. The best thing to do is that for everybody. Now, does that mean they're not going to, that they're all of a sudden they're not going to feel? No, of no. course you will. But it means that your emotions will not be overtaking you and overpowering you and distorting your behaviors, your actions, uh, your attitudes. It's, it's almost, yes, you're going to feel it, and there'll be a time for you, which you need to do. They call it re- taking a respite. You do need to take care of yourself. And if that means privately having a good cry or getting your anger out or being with supportive people and doing that like we have at our institute, Mm -hmm. helping people recover and recharge their batteries, it is really important. But then you have to get back on your feet. You got to reframe everything and get that adjustment quickly. We don't want people to leave us when they're at the institute because we know they have to go back to difficult situations. We don't want them going back wide open, raw, emotionally, uh, distorting everything and uh, just totally torn open. We try to close them back down and prepare them mm-hmm. for what they have to go out and do next. So we're not talking about them leaving us emotionally naked. No. We're talking to them, helping them put back their emotional clothing um, because they need to go back and deal with real life, which in their cases, their caregivers, is very demanding and difficult and painful. So we want to help them. Um, How do we do it? By demonstrating it. We are the role models. Um, We have role models. Interestingly, I think we talked about this two shows ago. Well, you know what? That that can change. Our supportive people, um, and we are those people too, we also at times are going to need support. So this is a, a, a thing in flux. So when we help people, I know that I do this, um, I understand how to respond. I just get it. That doesn't mean later I'm not going to resonate with their pain if it's a similar situation to mine. Of course it's going to bring that up. I also know from past experience how to take care of it, how to let it go, 
and come back to myself and get that resilience back. I've been practicing that for close to 50 years as a, when I was practicing as a, 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 a psychotherapist, a psychologist. Now I, I don't see myself that way anymore. I don't like to look at the world clinically. I, I'd rather see myself as a mentor and a coach in life. I, it fits for what we do today. And I think we've all at the Institute been looking in that way, looking things that that way for a number of years now. Yes. Um, we didn't want to make things harder for people. And the stigma, the, uh, the, the carrying the mental illness kind of identity it didn't help them. It hurt them. And instead of our seeing them as people with pain, it almost depersonalized them as clinical cases. We learned through the Navy SEALs, um, and our nonprofit dealt with that, those and, and the Marines, they don't like that. I agree with them. Yes. I agreed with them more and more. Who wants to add to their pain? Who wants to add to We want to re, help them reframe it. We don't want to contribute to their being, seeing themselves as mentally ill, disturbed, dysfunctional, troubled people. We want to look, have them look at themselves as they're human beings that are going through and have gone through some horrendously hard times. Our job is to help them reframe it, to release the old trauma and, and pain that they carry and recover and get on with their lives, not to make them feel that they are labeled, diagnosed, and mentally ill. We don't, I don't want to do that. And as long as I've been working with you, and this is even, you know, this is years before we uh, began interacting with the SEAL community, along with the picture that, that you're, you're describing about working through painful painful emotions, experiences, um, you have always, always wanted to include the message of hope. Always. Absolutely. That is, has always been beyond the quote-unquote clinical approach. That's right. Not that clinicians don't see the value of hope, but your emphasis was always on see enough of the picture that you must have hope. Yeah. That's right. And it wasn't the kind of Pollyannish hope of um, making up little fantasies. It was looking at reality and dealing with it and talking to them in a, from a place of being, I've been there myself. Um, and showing that, hey, things can all get better and they will improve. And giving them some solid positive grounding. I never, I'll, and uh, I remember when we were dealing with some of the Navy SEALs, we went to one of their conferences. We have a lot of friends that were SEAL, Navy SEALs. And I remember uh, so they have some pretty strong reactions to things. They've been on so many missions. and I mean, it makes our, the rest of the military look lightweight, and they're not. But these people have so many missions under their belt. So they come back. You can imagine their whole view on life is definitely going to be changed. And um, I remember I was talking to a group of them. Some of them are friends. Some of them are celebrities, actually, from some of those movies that have been made. But they all have post-traumatic stress, trust me. And the interesting thing is they are some intense people, right? But they're civilians now. And I remember we were talking, and uh, they were telling me, well, one of the fellows uh, who's related to one of these celebrity types who've written a couple of books or whatever, and I love this guy. He's very smart very capable and helpful guy. But his thing is, when I go to a restaurant, I'm there to protect everyone in that restaurant. I never let, my back is never to the door. I'm always watching who comes through those doors. And my job is to take care of my family and everyone in that restaurant. Mm -hmm. There was an intensity there. That was, that like, was real. It was real. Very real. To him. And yeah. I remember looking at him and I said, you know what? 
I was like that. And um, you don't have to do that anymore. Well, there must have been five or six other SEALs around me. And they all looked at me and they said, what are you talking about? We're all like that. And that's exactly the way you're supposed to be. That's the hyper alert. Yeah. And they're in it and their whole culture um, encourages it. And all of a sudden, I'm like the one who goes, what are you talking about? Um, this is the way we are and this is the way you're supposed to be. And I was saying, I used to be like you. Here's the new mindset. Yes, you can be alert, but it's not always necessary to be expecting the worst ca catastrophe uh, and combative situations. It was hard for them to hear it, and yet I'm the role model for them to reintegrate into life. They like me. They trust me. Um, and I was telling them, I know how you feel. I used to be the same exact way. But through the years and through getting the right kind of support and help, I'm not like that anymore. Will I always have the scars and the tendency? Of course I will. But you guys are like right there all the time. And I said, that is too much. Well, they didn't believe me, but they like me, and um, we joked about it. I don't know what kind of impact I made, but that's what we do. Our job, they trust me. They know I'm genuine and real. Um, they know I've been there. I'm not, not as a Navy SEAL, but as a person that's been through difficulties and come through the other side that did involve violence and things like that, they know it. But they also know that I'm not like that anymore. So I emulate to them a new way, and they see it. It's not just what I say, it's the way I am. And that's what's most important. And I can communicate that in so many different ways. That's what we're hoping these radio broadcasts and podcasts will do, is to reach people who need to know there is a better way. There is a more positive mindset. We're coming, you're, you're hearing it from people that have been where you are and worse, and still there in many ways. And yet we function every day, we help others, we go home, we deal with our own difficulties and and crises and caregiving challenges. Oh no, we don't have an easy life. I wish we did, but that's not our calling. But what we are telling you is from our experience, you can do this too. And it's gonna help you to do what we're talking about and become even more human, more genuine and real and have a certain integrity to your entire being that will put you in a place of humility and understanding and empathy for your fellow man. It's almost like getting to the point of, what did I write my last thing? To help us understand, we come to a place where we understand who we are, who we're meant to be, and I'm getting waves from, is this from technical stuff? I would like to be able to say. Oh, oh, Jenny's. We're going to come back to this. Oh, I usurped Can, her. Forgive me. Oh, I just, you know, you're, you're on such a good roll. I hate to interrupt. Go but ahead, but no. Steve is going, our, our, our trusty tech, our maestro is saying that I've got to say, you've been listening <laughs> to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. And I promise we'll be back after a short break. <laughs> As promised, welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson, and I had to interrupt Peter in the middle of really good stuff. And, and you I, know, that'll tell you how I've changed. 
I'm totally fine with that. In fact, I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy it. I got Steve, the technician, giving me the signals. Jenny, Peter gets on rolls, and it's like, somebody better stop me. Oh. And I do trust these people. <laughs> but anyway, I like it. I enjoy that kind of engagement. I have no, not only do I have a problem with it, I enjoy it. Um, do you want me to keep talking? You you could you could go ahead and and we'll we got we got another section here before we're done so go ahead. Okay, I think one of the things that I do want to say, um, we want to help people to feel better, be better equipped for the future and the challenges that they're going to. Things are moving very fast these days. They really are. So you may be going through. You are going through difficulties. I'm going through difficulties. They're going to end. But what we learn through those things and the purpose and meaning is going to be clearer to us. I'll tell you what, it's going to better equip us to deal with the challenges that are coming in the future. And let me tell you, they're coming fast and hard, more faster than they ever have before. And we've got to have, <coughs> excuse me, um, we have to be better equipped um, to take on these experiences. We've got to have more strength. We have to have more faith. We have to have more hope. Um, we need to have resilience. Yep. We need to be able to um, innovate. That's a big word. That's right. But and, and think on our feet. Think on our feet. Yes. Try new things. Keep moving. Yep. All of these things that, 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 that bring us forward into the challenge and through it. And let me tell you, it's, it's going to take that more for what's... Uh, as things are moving so darn fast today and the changes that are happening they're so much faster and more intense than they've ever been it's not because we're just talking about it yeah i i know enough people and they see it too from all walks of life we're also talking about facing a real part of life that a lot of people for years have had fantasies about and didn't want to get near and we don't want to talk about dying and death and sickness and caregiving and trauma and whatever but you know what that's another part of life. It's adversity that we're all going to face. It's part. Of, it's a condition of life. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about will prepare you. And if we don't talk about it, we will be handicapped. Oh, and let me tell you, if you think you're easy, living an easy, untouched life because you may have a lot of money, a lot of status, a lot of power, whatever, <laughs> you're going to need some help when the stuff hits the fan because you aren't going to have anything to draw upon. And some of the things you may have put your hope in and your security in won't hold up. And you're not going to get your innovations and creativity and solid grounding from any of that. It's, going th it's by going through these things. Mm -hmm. It's by facing them. It's by coming alongside other people. If I could throw something in there. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you taught me very early on when I started working with you mm -hmm. is uh, that people come to us. And they have gotten into patterns of dealing with the issues in their life that have not gotten them to where they want to be. These, these ways that they're dealing with them don't work. Mm -hmm. Our job is to, is to demonstrate to them a healthy, healthy choices, a healthy approach. Uh, we're not to, the way you put it to me was we don't conform to their, um, uh, their, poor choices, their confusion, we model for them a healthy alternative. Right. And we want them to be able to follow this healthy model and demonstrate it. And that's what a little bit of what we're talking about here, that, that as we are mentoring, coaching, leading, 
as we work through these things ourselves, then we want to model healthier choices and, and, and better priorities for how to deal with the situations people yeah, are in. absolutely. And one of the things I want to say is we're not talking about laying our choices on them. We're talking about finding out what they want and showing them how to get there and what they're actually doing to undermine themselves. Many times I've had people go to work on me and try to convince me how to be part of their troubled ways. And I, I stand there and look at them and go, I'm not going to do that. I'm here to help you. I want you to get what you want. But look at the things you're doing and look what you're doing between the two of us right now. We hold up the mirror kind of. Exactly. And it's almost like they're trying to drag me into negativity mm-hmm. and adversary relationships. And I go, who's that going to hurt? You. You're hurting yourself. I want to help you get what you want. So my job is to hold that mirror up. That's right. It's also to, uh, it's got to be done in a genuine way. I'll tell you that Absolutely, right now. Absolutely, with empathy. It's got to have that. And that's the other thing that comes out of this when we're stripped and broken, is a deeper concern and empathy for our fellow man. The pride is gone. Our pride is gone. The barriers disappear. And all of a sudden we're looking at a, we're looking at our, <coughs> excuse me, our fellow human beings and their pain and their struggles and their suffering. And we have a deeper sense of, our, of what's going on. I, I have an example of that. Um, I was in a, a group of caregivers about a week ago. And boy, it's a very diverse group. Um, and each person, it was, it's, it's, it's so chaotic. It wouldn't be the kind of way we run a group at our institute, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's a cross-section of humanity. And um, people were talking about how they felt about their loved ones who have Alzheimer's and dementia. And uh, some of it, boy, most of it, it's rough. And boy, they're under attack a lot. The caregivers are, and it's tough. I know my wife is nothing like that. She's so sweet and grateful. But most of them are not like that. And uh, and some of them were saying, to, I think that more than some were saying, I feel it would be better if they would die and that it would be over for them. They wouldn't have this pain anymore and the burden would be off of me. And I heard them. And then they came to me and I said, I don't feel that way at all. In fact, I'm grateful for every day I have with my wife. The depth of love that I feel for her now is so much more deep than it was before. There's no physical anymore. She's so sick. And yet that doesn't seem to bother me very much anymore. Very physical man. We had a very physical, great relationship. So I look at that, but you know what? I just said, if she's breathing and she or just gentle touch from her hand every once in a while, I'm grateful. And no, I don't want to let her go. And I don't think we'd be better off, even though my burdens, I'd have more money again. I'd certainly have a, I'd be freed up to get on with my life. And the truth is, that's not the way it is. And I'm accepting of the way things are and grateful for what I have. My gratitude about life has grown so much, even though the difficulty has grown too. But I don't want I don't think, well, she'll be better off if she dies, or I'll be better off and freed up. I don't feel that way at all. Well, when we got done, you know, I said that, and we left. And some of the women, they're nice, they're not bad women, but they're angry and they're bitter. 
And one of them's a nice lady, but she's 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 taken so many years of abuse from her partner who's got Alzheimer's, and and she said to me, and she's kind of a outspoken lady. She says, "I'm not anywhere where you are," and she says. I just want you to know that. She says, I don't feel like you do it all. I'm at the other end of the continuum. But I could tell, I know this lady, how her heart was breaking when she was saying it. And um, She just has so much pain. She was, And I said to her, I said, I am really sorry. I didn't, what I said, I didn't want to make you feel worse. I, yeah. Not at all. And I hear that. But I might have, and I'm sorry. I meant it. She is where she is. I can understand it. I'm not there. And when I express where I am, it's a, such a challenge to where she is in her life. She would love to be in a more positive place and have a, a positive mindset. She doesn't. She's exhausted and burned out. She has cancer now. She's exhausted. Mm. She's mm. depleted too. And she's, mm. it's a heartbreak. She's not a bad lady at all. So when I spoke with her, it was not to be in conflict. No. It was, I had empathy for her. It was a certain authenticity from where she was coming from, and she knows it on that way. And instead of being at conflict with each other, I just felt for her. I felt what she was saying, and I got it. I'm not there, and I'm glad I'm not there. But I sure knew where she was. And most of the people in that grouping that day, maybe one or two were where I am, were in the same kind of place. So... Now I I see that kind of genuine interaction as being compassionate and empathetic and caring and understanding, not judgmental, not adversarial. And that came, that comes from being broken. But my mindset and my frame of reference and the ground under me these days is, is positive and hopeful. Is my life easy? No way. But what's coming out of it is so much stronger incapable than I ever felt possible before. I think in, in uh, the Bible in Second Corinthians, I think the first the first section talks about when we go, we go through hard times, God comes alongside us. And that, in turn, allows us to be able to come alongside others like God came alongside us and to comfort and show mercy and compassion and tenderness. I absolutely believe that. There's another section in the Bible, I think it's in Hebrews, and it talks about the priesthood. And it says something about the priests can't, they can't be in the position that they are unless they've gone through hard times too, unless they understand the broken nature of man, the sinfulness, the pain, whatever they're talking about. But they're saying you have to be broken first so you can understand the people you're going to be helping in their brokenness. I believe that. And I believe these are age-old, wise things that we are coming to ourselves, only we're bringing it up to date in modern day, making it more applicable to the situations we're facing. And we want to reach out to so many and communicate as clearly as we can from our hearts, our experience, and our, our mind that there is hope and there is grounding and you can get through this. But we can come alongside you. I hope we are without judging you, understand that we know the pain too. We know your pain, we know our pain, but there's another way to see it much more positively. And you're gonna need to do it. You're gonna need to have that for, to becoming innovative and creative and quick on your feet for what's coming as quickly as things are moving in our life today. 
So I hope this helps today. <coughs> Excuse me, that wasn't supposed to be part of the broadcast. Okay. So just as we're wrapping up, I want to return for a moment to our title because I think it does uh, speak so much to what you were just talking about, Peter. And it was that, that we are talking about new beginnings and we are talking about uh, watching people, that it is possible to grow through crisis and trauma and that this process, this, this growth, this, this experience, uh, as it does for Mimi, it has for you, it has for many, it reveals the magnificent, unquenchable human spirit. And as I heard you say uh, as in your journey uh, with Lynn, that out of the, the pain and the chaos have come a new way of being. Right. And I just want to end that with one sentence. We have to come to an understanding, and this is what ha begins to happen, of who we're meant to be and who we're meant to become. And that's the purpose of all of this. And you're going to see a genuine value in yourself that you didn't even know you had. It's not going to come through easy times. But that unquenchable human spirit is magnificent. So I hope we're conveying that today. Jenny did a beautiful job. And I hope you like this broadcast. And we'll have more guests. Yes, we will. Very impressive people. But thank you for listening today. And if you have any questions, let us know. Let us know. Get in touch with us through our. Uh, I will say. Okay, Jenny's going to do that information this. now. Jenny, yes. Yeah. And, and thank you, Peter. You've done a magnificent job today, too. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, and if you would like to know more about our show or about Dr. Bernstein or the things we've been discussing, please visit our website at thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. That's thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. And our podcast is also available on uh, many of the outlets for podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, we are on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you have gained something valuable and helpful from our broadcast today. Uh, let us know if you have any questions for us, and we will respond. Please join us again next time. Mm -hmm.